0: As we continue our study of 1 Peter, we come to chapter 5, which uh, Peter is beginning sort of some closing arguments and uh, points. So reading verses 1 through 5 of chapter 5, hear the word of the Lord. So, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You may be seated. Words are obviously very important, and therefore the meaning of particular words is just as important. What about the word church? Some people think of church as an event. You might have said yesterday, Are you going to church tomorrow? That means, Were you coming here to worship? Some people think about the word church as a building. Are you going to the church, meaning the physical place where the church gathers. Some of you may remember as a child, here's the church, here's the steeple, open the doors and see all the people. Remember that? Forget it, it's wrong. Here's the church, the people. The rest is just the building or the event, the worship time, but the church is the people of God. And that's what the Bible says, that God has designated that a gathered people would be His people called by His name, and they are the church, which meets in a building, which gathers for worship. Now as we go through the Scriptures, we'll find that there are a number of different terms that God gives to His people, and we're going to see one of those today, and the word is sheep or flock. We saw that in the Old Testament reading from Ezekiel that there were shepherds of the sheep, that is, God's people Israel and those shepherds were not doing their job. They weren't feeding the sheep. Instead, they were feeding on the sheep. And so God says in the prophet Ezekiel that He will come and He will be a shepherd of His sheep. And Peter brings that point up in this passage, but he also talks about some other things that are vitally important for us to understand as a church. It was just announced and brought to your attention again that Tony is to be your new pastor, one of your pastors. It's an exciting moment in the life of a church. Brian on sabbatical will be soon returning, an exciting moment in the life of a church as he comes back hopefully well rested and ready to engage again in ministry. But those are not the only shepherds of the church. I want you to see in this text here that what Peter is saying is he's inviting the attention particularly of the elders of the church But he's doing it, as he says, as you minister among the flock, and this letter is to the whole church, and so he's not just addressing the elders, plural, and certainly not just the pastors, but the ruling elders and the teaching elders of the church, the elders collectively, what we call the session. But he does that in the context of addressing the whole church. You might think, well, this passage is directed particularly to elders, and the elders need to be reading this and and understanding it, and that's true, but the whole church needs to. Because the way in which God has ordained that elders be appointed over a church is that, that God gifts and calls particular men, and the church recognizes that calling and those gifts, and therefore elects these men to serve among them as elders. And so, if you're going to know who you should have as your elders, if you're going to understand their role among you and with you and for you, this text is for all of us, not just those who are called elders. Notice what Peter says here in this passage, chapter 5. He calls the church the flock, verse 2. And he says that Jesus Christ, verse 4, is the chief shepherd. But while we are the flock and Jesus is the chief shepherd, He's pointingly talking to those who are what might be called under-shepherds who serve Christ by serving Christ's flock. We call them elders. It's the very same thing the Apostle Paul said back in Acts chapter 20. You may remember he's traveling toward Jerusalem. He stops at the city of Miletus. He calls for the elders of the Ephesian church to come and meet with Him and he says this to those elders. He says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to the flock, shepherd the church of God in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. So there's the concept, it's God's church, they are called His people or His flock and the elders are to shepherd those sheep. That's the focus for us this morning So, first, we're going to look at Peter's appeal to the shepherd elders. He says, I exhort you. And again, you could be thinking, well, that's for them. Well, it's not just for the elders, because you'll notice he's referring to the elders who are among the people. But just a reminder who's writing this letter this is the Apostle Peter. Uh, Last Sunday at the end of his sermon, uh, Sam Hicks gave us a a little insight into who Peter was. You'll remember Peter, the sort of bold, impetuous uh, disciple of Jesus Christ who often got himself into hot water by saying or doing things that uh, were out of accord with exactly what Jesus thought of him and wanted him to do. But this Peter has been tempered by years of service to Christ. And this Peter who was simply a fisherman is now one of the lead uh, apostles of the church And he writes this letter to these people and he reminds them that I am, he says, a fellow elder with you. So it's not this hierarchy in the church which, of course, the Roman Catholic Church likes to emphasize that Peter was the first pope. No, Peter says, I'm just among you, I'm a fellow elder with you, and the elders of these churches that he's writing to, he says, I'm just like you. And not only that, I'm among the people. I'm just a follower of Jesus Christ, just like you." But Peter also reminds them that he had enjoyed some special privileges. He uses the term here that he has been a witness, a witness. Now a witness uh, by necessity has to see something and then tell what he saw. What is it that Peter is a witness to? Well, the life and ministry, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Peter had special privileges that not any of us have enjoyed, but this is the Peter who's writing this letter. He's a witness, and he tells, therefore, of his closeness and and his union with Christ, but so he's one with these people he's writing to, but he's also one with Christ. And that's something we all enjoy in our union with Jesus Christ by faith. And then he highlights a particular thing. He says, I was a partaker in glory. Now, there's two ways to look at that, at least. Some scholars think that Peter is referencing the transfiguration. You remember that event in the Gospel of Luke where where Jesus uh, takes three of the disciples, Peter being one, goes up on a mountain, and the text says he is transfigured before them. His glory, his divine glory shone forth through and out of His humanity. And these three disciples were in awe in the presence of the glory of the Divine One. Now, some people think that's what Peter's referring to here. He does refer to it uh, in chapter or in 2 Peter very clearly, an eyewitness of the glory, he says. And maybe that's what he's referring to, or maybe he's just saying, I'm a partaker in glory because of the absolute certainty that I belong to Christ and glory, future glory awaits me, and I'm already possessing that glory. It's mine because of Christ. Now, you could just meditate on Peter's self-description here and think about his privilege and and the joy that was in Peter's life, but remember this as well. The tradition tells us that Peter died for the faith, and in that he was a witness for Christ. The, The word martyr, comes from the Greek word for witness. He stood boldly for Jesus and therefore died as a martyr to the faith. That's the Peter who's writing. Now, who is he writing to? He's writing, he says, to the elders in the context of a church. And it's important that you know the word that elder comes from. It's presbyteros. That's the Greek word. That's the word we get Presbyterian from. Presbyterians are simply those, among other things, who believe that the church is led, ruled by elders. Elders, presbyteros. It doesn't necessarily mean old. If you go to the eye doctor and he says you have presbyopia, that means you have old eyes. It doesn't mean you're Presbyterian. But elders are those who are necessarily mature in the faith, who are gifted and called by God, who are to lead the church of Jesus Christ. And that's who Peter is addressing. Uh, Paul, when he writes to Timothy, says that elders should not be novices, not new in the faith, mature men. And we Presbyterians like to divide that out into teaching elders and ruling elders. Now all elders rule the church, we'll get to that term rule in a minute. But particularly, some are set apart for the teaching ministry, teaching and preaching. They have to labor in the Word. It takes more time. In modern culture, that means they're generally employed by the church so they can do the work. But collectively, the session, these elders are the ones that Christ has established as the leaders of the church, and that's the function of the church. And and Peter is saying, I'm an elder, I'm talking to you elders, but to all of you in the church, you really need to understand what I'm about to say. So all that is foundational work. For our second point was what is the description of these elders, these faithful shepherds that Peter is referring to? He says they're to do two things. They're to shepherd the flock and they're to exercise oversight. So here's this metaphor, this idea that God has his people, the flock, and he has shepherds among them who we call elders. And their first job is to shepherd. Now, think what a shepherd does a shepherd is to feed the flock, care for the flock, protect the flock, minister to those who are hurt or sick, do everything that is necessary to see that the sheep grow, mature, and live. Many years ago, our family stayed for a week on a sheep farm in Wales. And the shepherd who lived in the newer house, we were renting his old house, he, he told us a great deal about sheep, but one of the things he told us about sheep was just how dumb they really are. He would say, if I need to look in my fences and to see where there's a hole, I just simply listen for a bleeding sheep because sure enough, if there's a little hole in a fence, some sheep has stuck his head in there and gotten stuck and now I know where the hole in the fence is. Now, it's interesting and instructive that God uses the idea of sheep for his people all the time throughout the Scriptures, Old Testament and New. doesn't mean we're dumb, but it does mean we need help. And Jesus himself says, I'm the chief shepherd, and here's the point. I love my sheep so much that I have given them shepherds to care for them. So, the first task of these elders is to shepherd the flock of God. And notice that it's God's flock, it's not the elders' flock. Now, pastors, when we get together, we'd like to talk about my church or how it's happening in your church. It's really not a good way to speak. It's Jesus' church. Elders are simply serving Christ in Christ's church. They are to shepherd God's church, not their church and they are to do it in such a way that honors Christ. And so elders need to feed and tend and care for the flock, and the primary way they do that is by opening the Word of God because that's the primary food. That's the food that Jesus gives His flock, the living Word of God. Now, the Word opened up is only uh, powerful if the Spirit of the living God takes that Word and, and puts it in your minds and hearts and leads you and directs you and guides you, and we're wholly dependent upon the Holy Spirit. But it's the task of the elders to make sure that the feeding of the flock goes forth, their primary duty as shepherds. We read the passage in Ezekiel 34, God says, I will be your shepherd. But He raises up men, prophets, preachers, teachers, to declare the Word of God, so that God's people are fed. The second thing that Peter says here is that they are to exercise oversight. Now here's an interesting concept, you may not link these two together. Shepherding seems a loving, caring, nurturing sort of task. Oversight carries the idea of rule and authority. And you may not think of that together. Loving, tender, rule and authority, not words you usually link but they are specifically linked in Scripture with Jesus. You remember in the prophet Malachi, when it is announced through Malachi that God will send his Messiah and he will be born in the city of Bethlehem. And here's what the text says. He says, you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And so the idea of rule and shepherding are linked in Scripture, in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And as he is the chief shepherd, ruler, king, so he establishes in his church elders to rule and shepherd his people. Elders are under shepherds, under Jesus Christ. Now, of course, that shepherding and ruling has both positive application and negative application and positive ways of doing it and some negative ways of doing it that are particularly seen in the governance and discipline of the body and that's exactly what peter does here he gives positives and negatives three of them he says these elders are not to do it under compulsion but willingly how might an elder do his work under compulsion i'll picture it this way you think that bill to take a name should be an elder And so you go to the sitting elders, the current elders, and say, I think Bill should be an elder. And they say, well, have you talked to Bill? And you say, no, I haven't talked to Bill. Well we'll make him an elder then. That would be under compulsion. But when God raises up shepherds, He not only gives them the gifts and the call, He makes them willing. Because God is not a God who forces things upon His people, He changes their hearts so that the very ones that are being called to Himself are willing to come. And the psalmist tells us that. My people will be willing in the day of my power. The transforming power of the grace of Jesus Christ changes every individual into those who want to come to Christ, who want to serve Christ, because He not only calls them, He changes their hearts. And so these elders that are being spoken of here are not being made shepherds under compulsion but come willingly because God gives the will to do it. Now, you can talk to your elders and you'll find their many days in their lives when they're not willing. There are hard things that elders have to do. And so, therefore, of course, you need to be praying for them, that they will not flag in their zeal and they will not lose their enthusiasm. The work is difficult, long hours, Most of your elders serve as volunteers, but the purpose is here that they are to be not under compulsion, but willingly. A man who desires the office desires a noble thing, Paul says to Timothy, because his desire has been changed by the Spirit of God. The second positive negative is it's not doing it for shameful gain, but eagerly. The purpose of an elder serving is not so that he gains something, but he's eager to serve the people of Jesus Christ. Now, obviously, your mind immediately goes to, well, we don't want elders who want to do it for the money. Again, most of your elders serve as volunteers. And that should never be a motivation for anyone serving for any office in the church of Jesus Christ or in any way. But it could be more than money. You might want to be an elder because you gain prestige. You have a title. You have an office. You're important. You might want to do it because people will look up to you or maybe you like to be up front and you want people to see you. Those are all wrong reasons. No, the the motivation here is not gain but eagerly. It's not that the shepherds are to be feeding on the sheep but they are to be feeding the sheep or as another one has said it not to be fleecing the flock but feeding the flock now as a guest preacher here for a number of weeks i can say something that your pastors probably wouldn't pay them you have to make sure that those who are giving themselves full time to the ministry of the word who are laboring in word and doctrine are properly compensated so that they can do that work without a concern for their families. I won't read all the various scripture verses that talk about that. The most commonly memorized one is, don't muzzle the ox while he's treading out the grain. Your pastors are like oxen who are laboring on your behalf, preparing food for you to eat, and they need to be fed themselves. And so it's the duty of the church and particularly the ruling elders to make sure that the teaching elders are properly supplied. Now, your pastors will probably not mention that to you, but make sure that it's happening in an adequate way. That's not their motivation, but it's a biblical necessity. The third little positive negative is they should not be domineering but serve as examples to the flock. Now, this goes right to the point not so much of shepherding, but to the point of overseeing. And it's potentially possible for an elder as an overseer to start lording his authority over the congregation. Sadly, it's quite common. You see that as Jesus talks about the Gentiles who rule over the people and they lord it over him, but he says, this should not be so among you. And that's Peter's point here. Elders have authority, they have power given to them by Christ, and they have responsible oversight, but they're not to do it in an ungodly way. And so they are to serve instead as examples to the flock. What does that look like? Well, you can readily imagine. An elder is simply to practice what is preached. An elder is to be one of the most godly men in the church an elder is someone who you can look to and see this is what it means to follow Christ. Isn't that what the Apostle Paul says? Follow me as I follow Christ. And so elders are among the flock, they're part of the church, but they're to serve as examples of godliness and holiness, and they're to serve as those who follow Jesus. So as the church is the flock of God, that's us. We're sheep. And Jesus Christ is the chief sole shepherd. In His love and compassion and tenderness for His sheep, He has established that there would be elders in the church and deacons, but elders particularly to serve the church as under shepherds. That's part of Jesus' care for you. That's part of His love for you. That's His gift to you. Now, if you're an elder here this morning, hopefully this is convicting. And there are many other passages, of course, that talk about the duties and responsibilities and character traits of your elders. And as elders, you need to study that and be well aware of the biblical admonition. But as a flock member, all of us need to know what these admonitions are and who it is that Christ has raised up among us. And we're needing to see also that as elders who are shepherds and overseers, they are overseeing Jesus' precious little lambs. You may have noticed at the end of the passage there in Ezekiel that was read, it ends with a rather odd twist. Verse 15, the Lord God says, I will be the shepherd of my sheep. Verse 16, I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak. He's talking about the troubles of day-to-day life. He's talking about the difficulties that not only sheep, but people get themselves into. It's in the context of the suffering and the difficulties and the challenges that Peter's been talking about in this whole book. It's in that context that he says, I love you so much, my sheep, that I'm giving you these under shepherds to care for you. Too often, people hear the term elder, overseer, maybe even shepherd, and think authority and dominion and power and rule. But it's in the context of a tender Christ to a suffering church that this admonition is given. Shepherd the flock, says Jesus, because they're hurting, they're in need. And as the flock of Jesus Christ, then we need to see that the the rule of elders and the shepherding of elders in the church is part of Christ's gracious, merciful gift to the church. I love the name mercy for a church. And I love your key verse right out of 1 Peter. Think again about Christ's mercy to you in the context of this passage, that it's these who are being given to you to care for you out of his mercy. Jesus loves his sheep. And one of the ways in which he demonstrates his love for his sheep is by giving you elders to lead your church, to feed you, to shepherd you, to have oversight over you. Now, of course, wise sheep don't wait for the shepherd to come to them. If you're a sheep and you're hurting, if you're in trouble, if you're lost, if you're confused, if you have questions, go to your shepherds. Go to them and tell them what your particular needs are, what your desires are, what what your hopes are, what your dreams, what your fears are. Let them get to know you because you're taking the initiative. Always shepherds will have more than they could possibly do. And you might feel, well, I don't want to overwhelm them, I don't want them to think about me, they've got other things to do. But the proper way in which Christ cares for his sheep is by the shepherds knowing the needs of the sheep so that they can particularly care for them. Wise sheep seek out their shepherds. And more than that, they also recommend, according to the Scriptures, that they willingly subject themselves to their shepherds. Willingly, Notice that Peter says that in 5. Be willingly subject. Be humble, verse 6. Don't make it hard for your shepherds to shepherd you. What does the author of Hebrews say in chapter 13? Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you." You can make it hard on your shepherds. You can resist their authority and their shepherding. You can resist their plan in, of moving the church forward in new ways. You can resist them by not coming to the uh, means of grace on the Lord's day. You can speak against them privately. You can do all manner of undermining your shepherds' authority, rule, shepherding in your church. But the Word of God commands you not to do that. It's not good for them, and it's not good for you. God has given these men to the church to craft the church's movement forward to properly care for and feed the flock, and the flock needs to recognize that that's God's plan. That doesn't mean, of course, you can never say anything against what a an elder says or does, and you can go to the elders collectively and say, I'm not sure I understand why we're doing this, or what's the scripture basis for that? You, you need to be a humble participant even while you speak what the, to what they're doing. Don't make it hard for your shepherds. Encourage them, pray for them. And when they fail you, because they will, When they fail to do something perfectly, like Jesus would, when they fail to do something in a way that you find appealing, when they they seemingly hurt you or go against you, love them as a brother in Christ, knowing that they too are part of the flock. They haven't reached perfection. They will not always do the godly thing. Forgive them. Show them the love of Christ. So we have the appeal to the shepherds, we have the description, a very partial description of what the shepherds are to do and how the people are to respond to them. And finally this, there's a promised blessing, a promised blessing particularly to the shepherds. Peter says, when the chief shepherd Jesus Christ appears, the elders will receive the crown of glory. Now non-elders don't get worried. That doesn't mean that you won't. The particular point here that Peter's making to shepherds who are laboring hard among suffering sheep is, elders, it's worth it. The crown of glory awaits you. It's not an exclusive statement. He's not saying only elders receive the crown of glory. He's saying just to be reminded, elders, that there is a crown of glory for all of God's sheep, including the elders. It's what Paul says so plainly in Romans 8. Those whom God predestined, He also called. Those whom He called, He also justified. Those He justified, He also glorified. It's guaranteed because Jesus Christ has accomplished what is necessary. And so, you too will receive the crown of glory. You too will, when Christ comes, be received into His presence and and see the glory in a most majestic way and Receive the glory that befits those who are joined to Jesus Christ. But the promised blessing is to elders who labor hard, this too is yours. Persevere, carry on, do the work. I want you to notice one more thing, and that's the title of the sermon. It's singular, not plural. The shepherd. We could say that what Peter is addressing here is really the shepherds, the elders, the under-shepherds, but ultimately he highlights that Jesus Christ is the chief shepherd, and we're all sheep under his care. That includes the elders. And that means the church belongs to Jesus Christ, not the elders, that means that this is his church, it's his word, he's the one who feeds it, it's not man-directed, it's not woman-directed, it is Christ-directed. The church belongs to Jesus, and he's the chief shepherd and he loves his sheep so much that he gave you under shepherds' elders. It's so possible to get caught up in the busy day-to-day life of an individual church, Mercy Church, any other church, and think that church life is all right here and forget the fact that Jesus Christ has established his church and brought these particular people together in this place on the Lord's day to worship him, throughout the week to collectively serve him, to be a body of Christ so that Christ gets all the glory. And it's by the power of his spirit working in individuals, working through the officers, working through the means of grace, the preaching and teaching of the word and prayer, all of that so that Christ is exalted, in this case, in Forrest, Lynchburg, and in Virginia and to the world. It's Jesus' church. And when the elders do well, or when the elders do poorly, when individuals fall into sin, or individuals are rescued from sin, when the church is moving strongly and growing and maturing, or when the church is in a time of trouble or declining, it's still Jesus' church and He loves you with a love that you and I cannot imagine And as part of his compassionate tenderness for you, he's given you elders, just brothers in the Lord, who in every way are just like you. But in a particular way, Christ has gifted them and called them to this office and this task. And in thanksgiving to God then, and in thankfulness for his mercy and grace in giving you these men, you are to respond with faithful obedience and submission to these men who Christ has appointed to pray for them and encourage them and equip them, to give them what they need to do the work, and to realize that together you are the body of Christ in this place, called to faithfulness, called to serve the Lord Jesus. That's Peter's emphasis in the midst of a suffering time. It's a wonderful image that Christ gives about his people. We're sheep, often foolish, never going in a straight line, it seems, diverting at the simplest thing. Part of the elders' job is to say, don't eat that poisonous weed, don't follow off outside the fence, don't be captured by the wolves. All of those warnings, all of those. But the image is still helpful because not only are we the sheep, Jesus is the chief shepherd. And amidst all the difficulties of life, he tells us again and again, He cares for his sheep. Remember the passage in Luke chapter 12, Jesus is saying to his disciples, "Uh, don't be anxious about your life. Don't be anxious about what you'll eat, about your body, what you'll put on. And he illustrates how God cares for the birds and the lilies of the field and the grass and says, are you not more valuable than that? And then this is what Jesus says. Seek first His kingdom and all these things these things in life that we care so much about all these will be added to you as well and then this fear not little flock fear not for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom it is the desire of Jesus Christ for every one of his sheep that not only do you come called to him and become part of his church Not only do you come to repentance and faith and trust in Christ as your Savior, but that He who called you and made you His own will enable you to continue your whole life all the way to glory so that that crown will be yours. And the one way in which He does that, one of the ways, is by giving you under-shepherds who feed you, who care for you, who oversee you, who discipline you, who correct you, who love you. And their love and care for you is just the tiniest, tiniest taste of the love of Jesus Christ for your soul. When you think about your elders, remember that they serve Christ just like you do. They've been gifted by Christ to do that work. And you have called them to lead you as a church to exalt the name of Jesus Christ. And all of that is part of the tender love and mercy and grace of Jesus Christ for you so that you'll receive the crown of glory. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you and thank you for your mercies to us. We thank you that all good gifts come from above. We thank you that we have been made your own by your love and mercy to us. We pray for the elders of Mercy Presbyterian Church. Lord, bless them. Give them all that they need to do the work. And we pray, Father, particularly that you would encourage this congregation to grow in grace in their understanding of the role of their officers and that together they might be a shining light for the glory of Jesus Christ in this place. And we ask it all in the name of Jesus, amen.